That was good, wasn't it? He's always good. And so it's good when he's always good. Amen? Even if it doesn't make sense. But hey, praise God. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Welcome to Alive Family Church. It's so good to see you all this morning as well as all of you guys joining us online. Man, uh, I'm excited to speak today. It's, it's going to be fun today. We are wrapping up our, our two-week mini-series that we titled Healthy Money. We talked about it last week, but we believe that God wants us here at Alive to be a healthy church. Amen? And a healthy church is made up of healthy people, amen? And healthy people have a healthy view and perspective and relationship when it comes to money and how to manage it and how to handle it. And so if you missed last week, which was our first week, and uh, we kind of talked about the, the, the why of, of healthy money. Why do we even talk about money in church? Why does God want us to be healthy in these areas? I really, really encourage you to go back and you can listen to our podcast or watch it on YouTube or Facebook if you missed that because we really laid the foundation of everything that we're building on today. But in case uh, you guys missed it, just real quick, just like talk about a speed recap, right? You guys ready? We talked about three things last week. Number one, everything belongs to God, right? We looked at how through God's word, everything belongs to him, which means all the money in the world belongs to God. He is the owner. We are God's money managers or stewards here on earth. And so we talked about that. Number two was the love of money is dangerous, right? We talked about how we said, well, we looked in 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10, where it talks about how the love of money is the root of all evil. And we made a statement last week that, hey, money isn't good or bad. It's amoral. It has, it has no morals, right? It's, it's neutral. Money is just a resource or a tool. But in the hands, in the hearts of the people that use money, that's when it can be good or evil, right? And so God calls us to not chase money, right? Because we cannot serve two masters, right? We either serve God or we serve money, but we can't serve them both well, right? And then number three, we spent the most time on this. The last thing is God wants your heart. If you didn't catch it last week, let me say it again. God does not want your money. God is after your heart, amen? It is always about the condition of our heart. We looked at Matthew 6, 21, where Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does that mean? Where our money is, our heart follows that, whether we like that or not. And so if we want our hearts to be set on eternal perspective, kingdom-minded things, then we must invest some money in that direction if we want our heart to follow. And so last week, like I said, hey, that was like the appetizer of this money series. Today is the full course meal. Come on, somebody, with dessert. Amen? Anybody like dessert? I'm going to give you some dessert today as well. But some of you guys, maybe if you're joining us or you're watching online, you're like, why on earth is a pastor talking about money in church? I get that. I get that stick. I get the un unfortunate thing that some people have abused the message of money from the pulpit and manipulated people in the church to give and all that. And I just want to throw it out here. Why are we talking about money? Because Jesus did. Because the word of God did. We looked at it last week, but 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus taught when he walked the earth deal with money. One in 10 verses in the New Testament deal with money. And if you look at the whole Bible in its entirety, there's about 500 verses on prayer, little less than 500 verses on faith, and over 2,000 verses dealing with money and possessions, right? So obviously it's important to God, and we believe at Alive and as pastors, we are supposed to teach and preach where the Bible speaks and to be silent where it is silent. And so the Bible is definitely not silent about money and possessions, and this is probably the second series, second two-week series in the whole 
whole course of our four-year history that we've ever even talked about money. And so we had a lot of new people that have cycled through. And man, here's the deal, just to ease the tension and, and, and kill the awkward elephant if he came back in the room this week. This is not a hard sell series for you to give more money to a live family church. Can I get an amen on that? Can, I take a, can you take a deep breath? There is going to be no big manipulative offering at the end of this message, and we'll just stay here until we get a certain amount of money. I've been in church services like that. That is awkward. I'm sorry for that abuse, right? There, there is no hidden motive or agenda simply that we want God's best for every single one of us, amen? And we believe God knows what's best. And so we're gonna to go to his word today and he's very clear on some money principles that if we ignore, we're short-circuiting God's blessing in our life. God's not trying to take anything from us today. He's trying to get something to us and through us, amen? And so that's the God we serve. And so God wants us to have healthy money and so we're gonna talk about the how of healthy money. If you're taking notes today, it's literally just healthy money, the how, all right? Let's pray and open up our hearts and our minds to receive from God's word this morning. Father, we love you so much and we just thank you for today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence with us today. We thank you that as we open up your word, we can trust it. It's true. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path that guides our way. Lord, we want to be healthy in all areas of our life, even when it comes to the finances we manage here for you on earth. And so, Lord, show us, reveal to us, challenge us, encourage us, give us that healthy nudge in the right direction if we're off somewhere else where we shouldn't be, Father. And I pray that at the end of today, we all grow closer to you and we all have a better idea of how to handle and steward the money that you bless us with in a better way. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody greet said, amen. All right, y'all ready? Here we go. All right, a couple things first. I'm going to be like a slingshot of scriptures and different things today, and we'll, we'll go where the Holy Spirit wants us to go. But a couple things. Number one, I'm not a money expert, all right? <laughs> I've never been on the cover of Money Magazine. I did get a business degree before ministry school, and I passed my accounting class. Praise the Lord, all right? So I know how to add numbers, but I am not a money expert. God's the money expert. All of it belongs to him, so we're looking to his word today. Number two is this is not going to be an exhaustive study of all the ways that we can manage our money well. If you, there's a lot of great resources outside of today's message that can help you. I'll, I'll mention a couple books and resources near the end of the message if you want more on this topic. Uh, but we're not going to be able to do it. We're just kind of doing a basic flyover today to really help us no matter where we might find ourselves. The other thing that you've maybe heard us say multiple times here at Alive is this. It is the natural and the supernatural working together that makes an explosive force for God. Amen? So there are some natural, common sense, financial wisdom principles that we are going to mention today that can help us honor God when it comes to finance. Amen? There is also some supernatural, doesn't really make sense to our natural mind and math and logic principles that we are going to talk about today, where God's supernatural blessing can get all over your finances in a good way, and it might not make sense in the natural. Amen? So we're going to talk about both of those because we want a balanced approach. Amen? We want to be balanced. Here. We want to take the middle of the road. I know two camps. Sometimes we can get a ditch on either side. I know people that don't steward and manage God's money well at all, and every single week and every single month, they're believing God in faith to just meet their basic needs. I don't think God wants us to live in that place every single week. There are seasons, amen, 
But I believe God is bigger than that and he owns more resources than that and he wants to bless his people better than that. I see the other flip side where people are doing really well financially and they've got stacks and stacks and stacks and accounts and investments everywhere, but there's no outflow in their life. There's no generosity in their life. They just hoard it for what, right? But man, we only get a certain amount of years on this earth to steward God's money well and be a blessing. And so I want us, Lord, to get in the middle of the road. And I believe God wants us to do that today. And so uh, you guys could probably get this analogy. Like it takes two legs to walk well in life, right? Like if we have two legs working and functioning properly, that's how we go places, right? We can get in a ditch on either side. The same is true for healthy money. And there are two legs to this that we're talking about today. The first leg is called stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. And this isn't important. This is a lot of the practical stuff we're going to talk about first. The second leg is giving or generosity. Everybody say generosity. So we've got stewardship in giving. I see people that get caught on stewardship and they're really good with money. They can work a checkbook and a spreadsheet like anybody else, but they don't give. And so they're doing this in life. Come on now. And God's calling us to go forward, but, but they're doing this. And they, they're doing really good with money, but man, God's like, I got a better plan. I see other people who don't do anything. They don't know how much money's in their account right now. They couldn't tell you what they're going to do with their next paycheck. But they give generously. And they're like, Lord, you said you'd bless me. And he's like, I will. But I need both legs working correctly to walk forward in this thing and have a healthy money situation. Does that make sense? And so we're going to do that. With the, with, with the rest of our time that we have left, we're going to look at three things that God wants us to cover today when it comes to the how of healthy money, right? You ready? The first one is this. God wants us to be good stewards, all right? For time's sake, we won't read the whole parable, but a lot of you guys are familiar with Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, all right? If you're taking notes, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and go back and read the whole context of that. If you guys aren't familiar with that, there's a master, an owner, and he entrusts talents to different servants, all right? Talents are a sum of money here. If you actually study it out in the Greek, it isn't just like a serving gift, or it isn't like a hidden talent, all right? When I talk about talents, it isn't like this, all right? I know you guys are amazed, all right? But look at this hidden talent that I freak everybody out at. And he's Jesus' name healed. Look at that. Look at that. That's crazy. That's, all right. I'll, I'll be taking bookings after service today for that, for your kid's birthday party, but... Um, no, it's not talking about hidden talents or the talent show. It's talking about a sum of money, all right? And so he gives five talents to one servant, two to another, one to another, right? And we know the story. The guy that five doubles it and turns it into 10. The guy with two doubles it and turns it into four. And the guy with one sits on it like an egg and a duck and buries it in the ground and then comes back and hopes that the master doesn't get mad. And what do we see here? The master's response to the first two that did something with it and were good stewards, what does he say? In Matthew 25, 21 through 23, he says, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. So, hey, they, he heard these guys, these first two guys heard, well done. You were a good servant. Another way for saying servant is you were a good steward. You managed the master's money well. But what happened to the third guy, right? Well, we see here in Matthew 25, verses 26 through 29, but his Lord answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I would reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have at least received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will 
be taken from him. This is, this is huge, right? So God calls us in this parable to be the servants, or another word is stewards, and to steward his natural resources, his money well, right? And we can get a well done, good and faithful, or we get a wicked and lazy, right? I don't, I don't know about this, but I've been meditating on this this week, and I always talk about, hey, when, when we get to those pearly gates and all that, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It's not just how we manage our money. It's did we serve, did we give, were we generous? But in the context of this parable, the talent is talking about how they handled money. So what we hear at the end of our life, part of that will be what did we do with God's financial resources that he blessed us with? Hello, that's like a gut check for me. That's a sobering moment. So, well, I thought everything else is cool, but God, don't mess with my money. Like, I can do whatever I want with it, right? We hopefully are breaking that in this series to realize, that, hey, it's all God's. We must hold it open-handedly, right? God wants us to be good stewards. And so real quickly, I'm not going to spend tons and tons of time on this, but it's important. Remember those two legs? Stewardship. We need a strong stewardship leg if we're going to be a healthy church and a healthy people and have a healthy view and relation with finances. And so what do good stewards do? I've seen this. This is kind of basic stuff, but good stewards do three basic things. Number one, they spend wisely. Number two, they save diligently. And number three, they give generously. So, so spend wisely, save diligently, give generously, right? And just as a side note, again, we're not money experts. We're not perfect in any way. But Eric and I endeavor to do this on two fronts. We endeavor to do this, number one, in our personal life with our personal finances. And number two, just so you have trust in the church that you're sowing your seed into, we endeavor to follow all of these at Alive Family Church as we, mon- as we manage and steward the financial resources that God brings in. And so a couple things here when it comes to spending. This is pretty basic stuff, but it's good to remember that it's also in the word of God and not just some financial workbook. Amen? Number one, budgeting. Everybody say Budget. What is that, right? God says, uh, Jesus says in Luke 14, verses 28 through 30, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build but wasn't able to finish. This whole planning ahead, having a budget is a plan for your money, right? You've all heard it said, if you fail to plan, you plan to what? fail, right? If we don't know where our money's going, and I'm not going to get into all of this because there's a lot of great experts that talk about this, but this whole concept of giving every dollar that comes into your possession a name, the zero-based budget where you know where everything's going, you have your priorities in check according to the Word of God, and money isn't chasing you. You're not, money's not taking you all over the place. You tell your money where it's going, amen? That's being a good steward of the resources that comes in, and, and we stick to this at home. Sometimes it's like, can we do that? Uh, Mr. Budget says no. <laughs> I'm not saying no. Mr. Budget says no. If we want to do that, then we have to give up something else, but we can't just go into debt or put it on the plastic and, and live life like nothing's wrong. No, we have to be good stewards of this. And, and just so you guys know, at the church, we set a budget every single year. And some of you guys are aware of this, and you see this. We put our uh, financial report, our annual report online on the giving tab on our website every year so you guys can see this. But we try to structure it with healthy percentages. And what I mean by that is out of every yearly budget, at least 10%, the first thing is giving tithe, the church tithes. We give 10% or more 
away to missions and different organizations. We cannot preach on tithing and not do it ourselves. Amen. So we do that. That's first and foremost. God gets His. Then we set our our uh, like our staff salary and our budget for personnel at thirty five percent. We try to stay lean on that. Some people say, oh, 40, 50 is okay. We like to stay lean and, and do things uh, with minimalism and use volunteers and all that, just so we don't have so much overhead when it comes to that. We also give uh, 25% of it to facilities. So that would be building rent, utilities, all that kind of stuff, repair, maintenance. Uh, we give 20% to other ministries expenses, so outreach, different stuff like that, and then 10% to savings. So the church is doing that on a whole every single year. The other really cool thing that I love that we've done ever since we launched four years ago was this. With the board, we set every next year's budget at 90 to 95% of the previous year's income. Why do we do that? To make margin a thing. It exists every single year. Now, the, praise the Lord, we have seen an increase in giving every single year. So we keep going that way, but we set it back so that we have extra margin so we can be more generous. So we can do more with that. And we're never like, I don't know, I really want to give that, but it's a little tight here. Never once have we got up here on stage and said, we need you to give more. Have you ever heard that out of our mouth? No, we're trying to be good stewards of the tithes and resources that come in. So we don't have to do all these like giving campaigns and all this stuff and everything. And always asking for more money. Man, you just be faithful to God's word like we're talking about today. And if we can be good stewards as a church and leaders, we'll take care of it. Amen. God's got it covered, amen? So I just share that with you guys so you have confidence in what's going on behind the scenes when you give your tithes and offerings. The other thing we need to be careful with in spending is debt. Everybody say debt. It's logic, right? And we get this. Don't spend more money than you make. Easier said than done when you've got all these temptations of credit cards and loans and the pull of materialism in our culture. It gets really hard. But Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And I'm here to tell you today that just so you know, uh, the church has zero debt right now. Praise God. We're, we're four years old. We have a lot of money in savings for our building fund. Uh, we have an emergency fund, and we have zero. I said zero of debt right now. Praise God. And that's because of your faithfulness. But we, we believe in trying to run things as much. We may at a point have a mortgage that has a little bit, but we don't want to do the whole thing. We want to have some skin in the game, amen? We believe that God can and will provide for us in supernatural ways and will meet every single need of ours. And so we're trying to run it as lean so we're not slave to anybody. Amen. And, and, and so there, Jesus came to set the captive free. Amen. And if you're in debt right now, that isn't a, a condemnation on you. Just know that God's got a better way. Amen. Jesus came to set you free. And some of these principles we're talking about today may help you get out of that. Amen. And so we save as a church. Um, so that's debt. Um, let's talk about savings for a little bit. Isn't it a good idea to put a little bit aside? Yeah. For that rainy day, for that emergency fund, for that future goal or, or thing. Yeah, the Bible would agree with that too. In Proverbs 6, 8 through, 6 through 8, it says, go to the ant. We can learn a lot from ants, all right? You sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. It is wisdom to what we like to call pay yourself first. Right? And, and we kind of have this idea in our, our hearts like, hey, you give God his first and best, but you always set a little bit aside. And then you take care of that and you trust God to do all that. But a lot of times we, we take care of our needs first and then we see if there's enough left over for ourselves to save and for God. And we're going to talk about that in a second, how God has a better way in all of that. But as a church, ever since we've launched, every month we save 10% long term. And that's in our building fund. 
and we endeavor to save 2% on top of that for our short term and for our emergency fund. And we've been doing that ever since we launched. And so there is stuff, there is food in the storehouse. You don't understand that? And we'll talk about the storehouse and, and the, the biblical implications of that and how we can function as a church. But we endeavor to do that too. So we must save and put some together for a way for short term or long term or retirement or even the legacy fund. I want to be a blessing, leave inheritance for my children's children, that kind of concept that we see in the Bible. We must be saving if we want to do that, right? And then the last thing of stewardship is the giving component, which we'll spend the rest of our time on that. But in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, Paul says this. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That if we're going to be good stewards, we're going to spend wisely and avoid debt. We're going to save, but we're also going to have an output and give. I've heard it taught this way. If you're not giving, you're not truly living yet when it comes to your finances. Because the joy of giving, the joy of generosity, oh my goodness, it is like a whole new arena. And in the rivers of joy that God wants to bring to you and the blessing that he wants to bring to you when we understand that God's a giver. And when we're like him, we are givers and we're generous. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. God doesn't want us to be stingy and hoard everything to ourselves. He blessed us to be a blessing. He wants us to send it out, right? And here's the deal, because we can get in a ditch. The attitude is we get to give, not we give to get. Does that make sense? We get to give, not I'm giving, so I hope I can get some more back. Does God promise that he'll bless us? Yes, but when we do it in the right heart, amen. When we do it with a, like God's like some genie or slot machine, right? Like God is not a genie. He isn't a, I gave once in the offering. I didn't see anything that next week. God's like, I'm looking at your heart, not what you did one time. And he wants to make our heart healthy for our money habits to be healthy, amen? And so guys, like I mentioned, the church tries to own this and practice what we preach always. We give 10% plus to foreign missions. We have a list of national, international, and local missions that we support financially on a monthly basis, all off of the tithes and offerings that come in. And like what we did here, how cool was that? There was extra money. We actually budget it where I leave always, I always, uh, we always try to leave a cushion of margin in our generosity fund. So when needs like hurricane relief and Afghanistan and all of that comes up, we ain't like saying, hey, come on, guys, let's go, let's go. We're saying, thank you for your faithfulness and doing what you're called to do as a Christian. We've already got it because we've stewarded it well. We're going to send it on advance, amen? And if anybody else wants to get involved on a greater basis than that, then we'll give you opportunities to do that. And so I love to celebrate that because, man, you, we, can, we can hoard it. We can try to build buildings and get properties. But, man, our time is here so short and there's so many people that need the gospel of Jesus Christ and we are in a position to pay it forward and to make way for that to happen. Shame on us if we hoard that. Amen. We must give it out. We must give it out. And so if you guys need any resources on that stewardship leg, we're big Dave Ramsey fans. If you guys have never heard of him, man, he's got the, um, the book Total Money Makeover, which is fantastic if you're trying to get out of debt or get some savings going and retirement. But uh, he's also got a course called Financial Peace University changed our lives when we took it a number of years ago. And uh, you can get some of those resources online. Eventually one day I'd love to run a crew like that here at the church and, and take us all through that if we need to. But if you need some help, there are resources out there to help you get going on that. So, all right, so that's the stewardship. So that's number one. God wants us to be good stewards. Number two, God wants us to be blessed to be a blessing. Come on, somebody. And some people fight this. 
But let's look at God's word. I'm going to go through this real quick. From the very beginning, God wanted his people blessed. We see it in the garden in Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, right? And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, blah, 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 right? What was the first thing that God did after creating man and woman? He blessed them. The principle of the first in Bible, when you, when you study the word, is very important. God's setting up the world as we know it, how humans are supposed to interact. And he says, the first thing out the gate after I take this dirt and blow in the nostril is you're blessed. And I want you to be blessed. And God is not sad or sorrowful about it. He doesn't apologize for it. He wants his people blessed. Now, blessing doesn't just mean a fat checkbook or a huge bank account. Blessing is favor and protection and divine health and all of that. There's more to it than just money. But money is one of the things that God wants to bless his children with. Amen? Well, then we go on a little bit further in Genesis and we see Abraham, our father of faith. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. Blessed, not to be like, look at me, I'm better than you, get a job. Blessed to be a blessing. God wants his people blessed. He's setting up the nation of Israel, which is a type and shadow of who we are today. And he said, I want you to be blessed, to be a blessing. And this continues all the way through the history of the church. We get into the New Testament and Paul instructs young Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 and 18. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in who? God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. God wants to bless you and help you enjoy things in life, but he also wants you to be generous and share what you got, amen? To me, that equals blessed to be a blessing, not just blessed and sorry about you, right? Sometimes we can get off in a ditch and it's all about us, us, me, 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 my, my, mine, right? But God wants us to be a river. And as we mentioned last week, there's nothing wrong with wanting the blessing of the Lord and God's blessing on us, right? Proverbs 10, says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. He's not apologizing. He's not upset about it, right? Remember, God doesn't care if you have money or possessions. He cares if money and possessions have you, amen? He cares if those things hold your heart. You can, you're consumed by those things. That is a bad, dangerous place to be. And so the best way to stay on the middle of the road in healthy money is to be generous givers, right? God, I love this picture. God wants us to be a river not a reservoir, right? A reservoir just collects and then dams up and it gets stagnant, stinky, and things die in it, right? A river has fresh offshoots and is constantly taking it. It comes in and it goes out. It comes in and it goes out. And that is the way God wants us to steward his money here on earth. And so I want to pause just for a minute because I think it's important to give some credit where credit is due. And oftentimes individuals in this category do not get any airtime or any playtime or any recognition for those of you that feel like you have the gift of giving the gift of generosity i want to take a moment just to celebrate that because oftentimes you're you're you're, you're not celebrated but you show up in romans chapter 12 verses 6 through 8 as one of the ministry gifts 
I don't know if you ever if you've never seen this before. Check this out. Romans 12 verses 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I, I've, I've been a part of a lot of churches and church contexts, and oftentimes people get celebrated if they're serving on the serve team. And if, if you're serving in kids and serving in youth and, and you're leading and you've got a spiritual gift over here and you can lead prayer and all that, and those people are like, woo! And very rarely do we ever say, hey, sir, ma'am, you have the gift of generosity. That is awesome. And that is needed just as much in the body of Christ. Come on. Man, I'll tell you what, the thing that we need to realize is the the vision at Alive, we go at the speed of your generosity. You know what I'm saying? Like we go at the speed, we have so much vision, so many different things that we want to do, but there's human resources and there's financial. Anything you need to do in life requires human resources and financial resources, right? And we, we move at the speed of the church body's generosity, right? And when, when you're there and you're like, hey, I don't think I have a really good gift. Maybe you're here and you're sitting here, you're watching this later online. You're like, I can't serve in the nursery. That ain't me. And don't put me in youth. I can't shake hands. I'm not that social. But the Lord has blessed and anointed you for business, for financial stewardship. You're, you are blessed financially, well off, and God has put a generous heart in you. And the, the thing you love more is just giving an anonymous gift and not knowing where it's coming and people being so blessed. Like that brings you great joy. That is a spiritual gift. And you should not apologize for that. But I ask you and I encourage you, and the Lord wants you to lean into that. Because if we go at the speed of your generosity, when people can sit up and say, I tithe, I give offerings, but in one sitting, I can write a check for a thousand or 10,000, 25,000, 50,000, 100,000, boom, not an issue to me. That moves the speed of the vision exponentially quick. And God places the members in the body. And so just, I just wanted to share that with you guys because Eric and I have been on the other receiving end of that so many times. Even recently, two weeks ago, we went out to Holland uh, to spend time with a couple pastors out there for an art gathering. And it was hosted at one of the host members' church. And they're a very wealthy people. Like they were on Lake Makatawa or whatever that right opens up into Lake Michigan there. This house, there were, there were four houses on this compound, not just one. Four. And when the, when the family members came to visit for Christmas, they didn't get their own room. They got their own house. No, I'm, I'm kidding you. This place was like, where are we and who are these people? We got to meet the owners. Some of the most humble, down to earth, and they just had smiles on their face when they were hosting us. And they're like, man, we just, so, we just love doing this. And, and little did they know, and they'll never share this out publicly. And because they're at another uh, church across the state, this is okay. The weekend before, they brought in a whole busload of inner city kids from Chicago that got to stay at their place and use their yacht and go out on Lake Michigan and swim like they never swam before, right? And all summer, they've been opening up their house for parties and all of that. And they're like, we are just so blessed to do it. I'm like, man, that is a ministry gift. It's not normal. Not everybody has that, amen? But man, when you steward it well, man, and they love to do it, it just reminded me of what Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says this, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, amen? And so guys, God wants you blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to just be blessed and be cocky and arrogant is not what God wants, (laughs) Blessed to be a blessing and be generous? Absolutely, that's how God intended for it to work. 
And the, the thing is, we can't be good stewards and we can't be blessed to bless others if we're not stewarding God's resources right, right? So that, that leg of stewardship is really, really important because if we're just believing in faith and quoting scriptures and all of that, hoping that it kind of throwing arrows and hope that we get a, a, a miracle, man, God's like, if you could do a both and... It's really important, right? Like if you guys came to me and said, Pastor Eric, I don't get it. I comb my hair every morning, but I still stink. <laughs> and after I look at you like you fell out of a tree, I say, it's a both and. That's good that you comb hair. Maybe try showering. Maybe try brushing your teeth. Maybe put some deodorant on and comb your hair. It might help the stinking problem, right? A lot of us are like, well, hey, I give, I give, I give. It's like, do you save? Do you work with all gazelle-like intensity to get out of debt? Do you do, 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 do the natural stewardship principles and believe God's word? Because when they're working together, that's when it's an explosive force. Amen? So I know a lot of people that are really good on the stewardship side, but they, they also struggle with the giving side. For the few minutes we have left here, I, I want to talk about our third and last one. It's this. God wants us to pass the giving test. God wants us to pass the giving test. Some of you guys are like, what test? Maybe you had this happen when you were in school one day. You ever walk into school, maybe it was in high school, middle school, and everybody's got their books open, their faces down, they look like they're really intently like studying something. You sit down and somebody leans over and say, you ready? And you're like, for what? And they say, the test. And your response is, what test, right? Like, I don't know if any, oh, you got a bunch of smart people in here. No, I studied five hours. What test? I didn't know there was a test today. I think a lot of Christians, we go through life and we're like, I'll worship God and I'll serve here and I'll do all these great things. But like when it comes to our finances, we don't realize that there's a test. Every time we are paid or that money comes into our possession, there is a test of our heart. There is a test if we're going to honor God and bring what to him, what belongs to him, or if we're going to keep it to ourselves. And little do you know, if you're not aware of the test, you can't do really good in the test. Why? Hence, we're taking two weeks out of a whole calendar year to at least talk a little bit about our financial stewardship and management because God wants us blessed to be a blessing. But if we don't know we're in a test and what the answer is, how can we ever thrive, right? And so what test? Let's talk about the test that God gives us. And what I'm talking about specifically is the test of tithing. Now, in other church cultures that I've been in scenarios, Perfectly lovely, awesome Christians grow fangs when you use the word tithing. Let's not have any vampires show up this morning, all right? We're all cool. There ain't no offering coming in 10 minutes, all right? Just sit back and relax. But let's talk about what the word of God says, because here's the deal. Pastor Eric didn't make up tithing. Man didn't make up tithing. Who invented tithing? God invented tithing. And so we can be like, ah, like the air sucks out of the room. Let's talk about tithing for a second. The word tithe in the Hebrew literally means a tenth. It means 10% of your income or increase, right? In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, we're kind of introduced to this. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's and it is holy to the Lord. A couple things here, and I don't have time to go really deep in this, but who does the tithe belong to according to this verse? It belongs to the Lord. That's a sobering thought. So when we get paid and if we give 10% to the Lord or don't, whether we keep it or we give it, it still belongs to who? The Lord. And he said it's holy. This ain't like some nonchalant, flippant thing. It's holy. Like it is worship unto God. When we give our tithe, it is worship when we give what belongs to God back 
unto him, right? And it's a way that we can do that. Also in scripture, tithing is referred to as first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So guys, when we give our tithe to the Lord, we can honor the Lord. We can worship God through the giving of our tithe. And there's actually a blessing attached to it. We're going to talk about Malachi 3 in just a second and we're going to get there. But he says, hey, so your vats will overflow, right? And your barns will be filled with plenty. Blessed to be a blessing, right? Now here's the deal. It takes faith to give the tithe. Especially if you're doing it the way God says it, where you do it first. It doesn't take faith if I get paid, I pay all my utility bills, I take care of my mortgage, I do this, I be the, and then I say at the end of that, how much do I have left over? Oh, 10%, cool, I'll give that to the Lord. That's comfortable. That's often how we budget. And when it comes to God and giving, if there's something left in my wallet, I guess I'll throw that in or whatever. But, but we, God wants us to be more intentional about that. He says, I want the first 10%. Hello. That takes faith. But wait, I don't know what else is coming this month. And I haven't even really added all this up. It's the same standard for everybody. I love God. He made it real simple because he knows we'd get it twisted, all right? If I make $100 a week or $100,000 a week, the tithe is the same as far as it's 10% of my increase. And it applies all the way. And here's what I've learned. I hear a lot of people say, well, I can't tithe until I make more money. If you can't give God $1 out of 10, you'll never give him 10,000 out of 100,000. It's, it's all a condition of the heart. And I've seen this play out in many scenarios before. That's why God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Because if your heart's not on board with this and you haven't settled it in your heart that God gets the first 10%, no matter what season I'm in, no matter what's going on financially, it will be very tempting each month to do it where I see if I have any leftover and I give God the leftovers. But God's saying it's holy unto me. It's, it's worship unto me. And we're not under legalism. But man, God wants us to experience life and life more abundantly. And he's saying, hey, bring the tithe to me. Just trust me in this. Let's go over to Malachi chapter 3 and end there because I really think God can show us some things about bringing our tithes and offerings to the storehouse and, and how it can be a blessing not only to the Lord and the house, but to us that God really isn't trying to take anything away from us and institute is He's wanting to try to get something to us. Amen? When we understand this, Malachi chapter 3, uh, verses 6 through 12, just for context, I'll read it. Verse 6 says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. We'll come back to that. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? What, what test? He says, will man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes? And offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land. Praise God. There is a lot in there. He said, return to me. Which way have we stolen from you? By tithes and offerings, right? We don't have time to go into this. A lot of people are like, I don't tithe because that's OT. That's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. 
Well, if we had time, to, this could be a whole week. Tithing happened before the Mosaic law. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, which was a type and shadow of Jesus, all right? Then tithing happened under the Mosaic law. Then tithing happened in the New Testament church. There are verses where Jesus refers to tithing. So, and I don't think God's done away with it. Nowhere in the Bible do I see the tithe has been rescinded. The Lord just said in verse 6 of Malachi 3, I am the Lord, I do not change. And so that challenges me. I remember when I first discovered this as a believer, I got mad. <sighs> Lord, get off my money, man. Like, get off me. I, I, don't, like, I don't need church. I don't need organized religion because I'm going to come to church and they're going to tell me to tithe. So I'm just going to watch online and, and just consume, right? I, I see people get into that trap. It's like, no, God is trying to bless us, amen? He's trying to help us, and he knows what's best for us. It says, can we rob God? How can we rob God? He said, tithes and offerings. And as I thought about that this week, I'm like, we're not, when we don't give the tithe, we're not robbing God of money, because guess what? It all belongs to him, right? What are we doing? We're robbing him of the blessing of blessing us, right? Like if you set up an allowance for your kids, I'm going to pay you $10 a week to do your chores, and your kids rebelliously always just deny that and don't do their chores. They're not stealing 10 bucks from your pocket every week. They're robbing you as a parent of the blessing of rewarding them for their hard work, right? We're robbing from God, right? And, and the, the scary thing is when they use really intense words like your finances are cursed with a curse, hello. How many of you guys want to run as far away from that as possible? I'm like, get out of there. What? Like there's a curse. My, my finances can be cursed if I'm robbing from God, he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. There's a lot there. All the tithe. What's the tithe? 10%. I bring 3.5%. That's better than nothing, but that's not the tithe. And where does it come? To the storehouse. If you study the storehouse, that is the temple or the synagogue in the Old Testament. And that is your local body, your local church where you're planted and where you're fed spiritually every week. That is what the storehouse is. So you bring the tithe into the storehouse. I don't have time to get on all this and you got more questions, come on. I got a lot of resources I'm gonna give you guys here in a moment to dive deeper in this. But I don't bring my tithe to a missionary. I bring my tithe to the storehouse and the, the, the church supports ministry. And if I have that missionary in my heart, I give an offering which is above 10% to that missions organization. And a lot of people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 it's mine. Remember I give how I want in my heart, however I want. It's like, yeah, but the Lord's like, Notice he said, bring the tithe. He didn't say, give the tithe. You can't give what's not yours. This is like, for me, when, when I got into this as a young believer, I was like, the tithe belongs to God. It belongs to him. I bring my tithe. I don't give it. And, and he says, hey, I'm going to do some stuff. Test me. Try me. The only place in scripture that you can find God saying, I dare you to do this. Only place. He doesn't say, I test me. He says, I double dog dare you. No, no, no. Wait, wait. I said it. There'd be dessert. I triple dog dare you with ice cream sprinkles in a cherry on top. If I would not open the windows. Heaven has windows. You know what flies out of windows? Provision. And you want them open. You want them open, Right? Because the windows are open and he says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your name's sake. Man, I, we have seen this happen so many times, haven't we? 
Why did the tree fall on their garage and not our garage? Why is the car still going and it should be done? Why is the dishwasher still doing its thing and it's way beyond life, right? Rebuking the devourer for your name's sake, right? It's huge. And, and, and here's, what, here's our take on this. And maybe this is just for us personally, but I know others in the congregation that might agree with this, but I wanna challenge you with this. Guys, I'll take God's blessed 90% over my cursed 100% every day of the week. And that doesn't make natural logic sense to a numbers person. That 90% blessed can go further than 100% if I keep all of it for myself. That's the supernatural principle. And we serve a supernatural God. That takes faith to trust him with that. But it's worship unto him. You don't give to the church. You, you give to the storehouse so that the storehouse can have food in its house. But that's beyond the point. God wants you to give to the storehouse so that he can get something to you. So that you can open up the windows of heaven in your life. That you can begin to get out of debt. You begin to get balanced in your finances. You begin to begin generous and be that blessed to be a blessing. God wants to do that for us. I, I run into tithers all the time or two, two categories of people. Number one, the people that I know that I meet and they're like, yeah, I tithe. And they always say the same thing. They say, I'm so blessed. Pastor, I'm so blessed. The Lord has blessed us. And I run into other people who always tell me and say, I can't afford to tithe, Pastor. And, and here's what I've learned and seen over the years. You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you start tithing. There's been so many different seasons in our life where we've been reduced, Right? Ever been cut back on your finances and, and yet the bills still are there? And we've always been tempted to maybe take a little bit of God's 10% and apply it just for a season. But no, never once have we stolen from what belongs to God. And God has sustained us through every season. We're not perfect, but man, we never stop giving God what belongs to him. And we always go the extra mile and try to go above and beyond. And so guys, I pray that you're catching the spirit of this today. I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm hoping that this is connecting with you. Sometimes this is the first time you've ever heard it. There might be some conversations that need to be had as a family unit or a husband-wife unit. I love what Randy Elkhorn says. He goes, if you were cut 10% in your wages today, would you die? And the easy answer in America would be no. We'd find a way to make it work. We'd adjust something. We'd give up the, the gourmet coffee two times a day. We would cut back on the streaming services. We would take the new car lease and trade it in and get something that's honorable and reliable, but until we were stable so we could give God the time. We would adjust. And so I believe the Lord wants to challenge us as, as people of God, as believers who want the blessing of the Lord upon our lives. Are we being obedient to him in this area? And our, maybe there's some tweaks or adjustments we need to get in and, and make to him. Not so that the live family church is blessed. Again, there's no hidden agenda except, man, I want, my, I want our people that we're called to shepherd, that we're accountable. We, we're going to stand before the Lord someday and say, did you teach them how to manage my resources? Shame on us if we don't mention it every now and then, every year or so. Because again, it's not trying to steal something from you. It's trying to get something to you, amen? And so God loves you. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And man, where your treasure is, where your money is, that's where your heart goes. And so sometimes it's as simple as sitting down and slashing some things on the budget and recrafting that so that God can be brought his 10% first and watch the blessing of the Lord spill over in every single area of your life. And so guys, we're, we're out of time today. And so I need to close it down. But man, there's so many resources here. I just want to mention a couple things. If you're like, man, I need like three more weeks of that. We're not doing an extended of this series. Praise God. Everybody say hallelujah. Amen. We're moving on. 
But a couple books that have really helped us out and resources when it comes to this is, uh, where is it? Hold on, let me find it. Here we go. So uh, the, the Blessed Life by Robert Morris talks a lot about the giving side and it's really doctrinally sound. I really, I really like it. It's called The Blessed Life. He also wrote a newer book called Beyond Bless and it talks about the stewardship leg. So the giving, he's got one book on giving, he's got one book on stewardship. I'm really a big fan of Randy Elkhorn. He wrote a book called Managing God's Money. So if you're looking just for some practical answers, do I give do I give the gross or I give up the net? All those like little like tooth and nail things that we could fight all day about that I didn't mention today. Just get, get in God's word and look at it and be led. Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace. And then I do want to grab this. Sorry. I know I just jetted off the screen there. Uh, Pastor Beth Jones wrote a book called Wealth and Generosity, Living in God's Economy. And we're a really big fan of this book because one, it's a workbook. It actually has blanks and it gets you into your own Bible so that you can look up the answers for yourself and see it with your own eyes. And something really cool that the Lord led us to do and we're gonna continue to do it until he tells us otherwise is for the last year, every person who ever gives anything for the first time at Alive, that we have record of that and we know how to get a hold of them, uh, we send them this book in the mail free of charge because we want to celebrate and reward that. And we want a resource because how many of you guys know our economy, yikes, sometimes. God's economy, good, bueno, all right? Like, like we want to be in God's economy even when the, our economy is like, pfft, you know what I'm saying? If we ride that wave up and down, we'll be miserable. But when we're in God's economy, we're not stressed because we're blessed, amen? And so, hey, just want to let you know that that's a great resource as well. But um let me pray for us. Does that sound good? Because it takes it takes a heart transformation to even make steps in this area. And you might be here and you're like, I already tithe. I get this. In that book, I love it. She talks about the other two categories of giving. There's tithe, this is 10%. Offerings, which is anything above 10%. And alms, which is specifically given to the poor. And so it helps us kind of get all this lined up so we can prioritize our funds and put them in the right place and experience God's blessing. But God needs to help us if we're gonna do that in any good way. And so let's ask for his supernatural power and help to begin to honor him or even take steps. Maybe you're like, I can't give 10% today. Something's better than nothing. Start somewhere and get on the road of generosity because I believe it'll become contagious and you'll see the benefits that the Lord has in your life and you'll move your way towards what is ultimate worshiping of the Lord. Let's, let's worship and let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. Today, we've covered a lot of ground. There's so much more we could have covered, but Lord, I trust that your word has fallen on good ground. And Lord, you said whatever a man sows, that he would also reap. Lord, that we would understand that you've called us to be good stewards, to manage your money. It's your money. Whose money is it? It's yours, Lord, to manage your money well. Number two, that we could see that you want us to be blessed to be a blessing. You're not, you're not scared of blessing in our life as long as our heart's in the right place to steward it and be generous with it. So Lord, help us understand that and walk in that in a fullness way. And number three, Lord, I pray that we could pass the test, the tithing test, the obedience test, that Lord, that as we're obedient to bring the tithe to your storehouse, to honor you and worship you with it, we don't give unto men or a church label, we give unto you as worship. And Lord, we thank you that the windows of heaven 
begin to open for all of us in a fresh and new way. I thank you that the devourer, the enemy, is rebuked for all of our sakes, Lord God, that your supernatural protection, favor, blessing, and provision is all over this house because it's made up of people that have the blessing, favor, and anointing all over them. And Father God, that we can be a church that's blessed to be a blessing to a hurting and dying world that desperately needs a touch from God. And Lord, we can preach it until our lips are blue, but Lord, until we start showing it and be the church and be generous and be able to give above and beyond, Lord God. Lord, help us be a part of the solution in your world today, Father. We ask you, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do with this message. Be with us in our conversations, in our budget meetings, in our financial planning. Lord God, lead us and guide us and help us not do it because some man set it on a stage, but because some man named God Almighty penned it through the Holy Spirit and put it in place so that we could be blessed that, Lord, you would provide for us as we just trust you in faith. Lord, it takes faith. So we trust you now. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Everybody greet said, amen, amen. Did anybody get anything out of today? I'll tell you what, I'm so thankful this is over. Whoo, man. And so, hey, we love you guys. God loves you. And I, I never like to end a service with just an invitation, simple invitation. You know, we, we focus a lot on God asking us to bring 10%. But when I think about what God did for us, for you and I, he gave way more than 10. He gave 100, didn't he? Through his son, Jesus. Man, I don't know you, that just that hits me right here. He gave his son, Jesus, so that you and I could have a relationship with God the Father and experience all the goodness and blessing that comes with him. And it, it's a personal relationship. It's not religion. It's, it's a relationship, right? And, we may not have it all put together. I know I didn't when I found Jesus. I needed a lot of help. Still need a lot of help. Praise God. When we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, the Bible says. And when we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we could experience his salvation. Eternity in heaven. And he can help us bring a little bit of heaven to earth here while we're still on this planet. Amen. We all need Jesus. We all need to make that decision at some point in our life. So if out of reverence of this moment, if you here in person could bow your heads and close your eyes, online, I just want to encourage you, no shifting around or moving around because this is for some of you as well. If you're here today, and you'd be honest and say, I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never prayed this sinner's prayer. I've never put my heart and faith in him. I've been to church. I've done a lot of churchy things and good things, but maybe you've never prayed to receive Jesus and you want to do that and be included in this prayer that I'm about to pray right now. Would you just slip up your hand so I know who I'm talking to and who I'm ministering to today? Praise God. And uh, let's do this as a church family. Would you guys just repeat this after me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. I receive him as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart, change my life, and help me live a life pleasing to you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.